Welcome to Candy from Strangers. I'm Rebecca. And I'm James. We're coming at you with some candid talk where we aim to contemplate and journey through this life and help your day taste a little bit sweeter. So, lately... I have been reading so much. Well, you did say you want to read a book a month, so... Yeah, there's a lot. (laughs) And of course, every time James finishes a book, he'll hand it to me and say, this is a good book, you should read it. So I have a pile of like four books that I'm supposed to read. So right now, I'm reading through The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, and it's all about uh, stoicism. And can I add, she bought me that book, so... (laughs) I read it. I said, this is a good read. Yeah, you should read it too. <laughs> and some of the stories I know, um, but it's a, I don't know, it's a compilation of a lot of different philosophers and famous speakers. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, I recommend it if you haven't read it. And I'm a source material kind of guy. So he's quoting a lot of Stoic philosophy and sto- uh, famous, I guess, Stoicists. I'm still figuring this one out. I haven't delved too deep into their philosophy, but a couple of famous ones are Epictus and Marcus Aurelius. Found out that Epictus actually trained Marcus Aurelius a little bit in this philosophy, at least according to a couple of the books I'm reading. Cool. But I went and picked up Meditations by Marcus Aurelius and then a new interpretation of Epictus's Art of Living, which I'm not really happy yet with. I'm still figuring out the interpretation. But it is interesting to me is figuring out Whenever I'm in a listening to a preacher preach from the Bible, when I'm whenever I'm listening to a famous leader quote something or tell me what to think or what's going on, or a TED talk, or a TED talk, I'm like, oh, that's great, and then I want to re- research the same research material they were looking at to draw my own conclusions or to at least verify that what they were saying is something that is worth me buying or understanding or or incorporating into my life. Or that it's not too colored through their lens of life. I'm very sensitive and I try to train myself to see what bias that others see through to allow myself to get a little bit understanding of what it is they're explaining. Right. And just the other day, I was listening to some podcast and they were talking about um, this quote, this idea that other people's opinion of you is none of your business. And one of the guests spoke up and he said, oh, yeah, that's an Alcohol Anonymous, you know, philosophy. And I thought it is because I heard this other famous person talking about it and and acting like it was their saying, like they just came up with it. Other people's opinion of you is none of your business. Like, don't worry about it. Move on with your life. It's a very motivational thing to not be worried about what everybody else thinks about you. So you can just live your life, you know, and I'm telling this to James and he pipes in. Oh, yeah. That Epictus wrote that 2000 years ago. It's not new. There's nothing new under the sun. That's Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Wisdom. You can find it in really old books and really new podcasts. I think it's important, though, to share the wisdom. That's wise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so wise. <laughs> so wise. In this book, The Obstacle is the Way, I love this quote. It's from Theodore Roosevelt. I don't know that he was a stoicist, but it was one that I hadn't heard before. It's not one I think commonly used, but he says, we must all either wear out or rust out, every one of us. My choice is to wear out. And I just love that. Yeah. I don't want to be the rusty old bumper that falls off the car. Like in cars. <laughs> Give me some of that rusties. No, I want to be the one that wears out. I want to run this race. I want to make it to the finish line. Well done. That's my goal. That's good. Anything else on stoicism, babe? I'm trying to figure out like what, I, what it is to share 
about stoicism. Isn't sto- stoic philosophy all about self? That's it is. It is very much about the self. And that's I always thought it was funny. People are like, oh, you're such a stoic. They equate it almost with being emotionless. It's really it's just being controlled and recognizing what you can control and recognizing what you can't. And that's the very begin- beginning of this uh, version of Epictus's manual is it, talking about just focus on what you can control and recognize what you can't and then take care of what you can do and ignore the rest. Or maybe not ignore it, but just realize it's not yours to control and press on with life. Kind of take some of the weight off of the burden bearers of the world. Right. I voted. Pressing on. Well, and what's the hand that you've been dealt? That's what you've got to work with. That's Epictus was a slave. That's how he started his life. He ended his life as an outcast from Rome for being such a great philosopher. The emperor was threatened by all the uh, philosophical teaching going on and was like, no, all of you guys, are you have to leave the city now. So he was exiled? Yep. So and that's how he ended his life. So interesting life arc, 2,000 year impact. The fact that people are still reading this today and attaching to this thought system, this way of motivating themselves through life. Very interesting. Because it's still very human-based thinking, still very self-centered thinking. And that's where I think where stoicism at the surface of it is still just very selfish focused. There's still some danger in, in any thought system, any belief system that is just all about the self. But I think there's more to stoic philosophy that I still haven't figured out yet. We're learning about it. As part of my book learning. Well, and you love history. And it's interesting because I think all history is entwined. You can't take away parts. It's all together. That's what makes it history. That's actually what I love about history is it's it's been done and it's been documented to the best of our ability. But realizing that it's done with the best of our ability. Like there's still so much more to explore, understand, to try to understand the bias that somebody else was speaking through. And what it is they were recording and why. Like Epictus's view on life started out being a slave. But he happened to be a slave for a really important man who gave him the time of day because he recognized he was intelligent to learn. And it paid dividends. There are many people that started their life as a slave that nobody took the time to educate them. There are many uh, rich people that started out as rich, but they didn't actually learn enough life lessons. Nobody took the time to educate them. Right, they they thought they were good to go, and this is why you see uh, rich kids fail, where where self-made people succeed, because they know the value of a dollar or the value of success, where others know that they have a, a great big safety net. So it's just interesting seeing how different people. Well, and how different people take risk. Mm-hmm. If there's no risk, there's no return, right, or growth. And that's what it's like, making sure that with our life that we are striving for growth, still keeping some semblance of a safety net or realizing when we're taking risks without. But we are doing a lot that's just all on us that we're striving for to, to set our children and ourselves up for a better version of ourselves next year compared to where we were a year ago. Well, and I think all parents want that. They want better for their kids than what they had. And we're just kind of stuck right now in society and what's going on in America. <laughs> Everybody has their opinions all day long, but digging through and finding the facts and what are we going to do with it? And let's look ahead. Let's look to the history and then let's look ahead to the future. And what are we leaving for our kids? Not everything needs to be about your kids, but everything needs to be about our kids. Everything needs to be about the future. What are you leaving behind? 
I don't know about stoicism being wrapped up in your own legacy. Like, I don't think Epictus knew he was going to have a legacy that lasted so long, that he was going to have an impact for so long. I mean, every person hopes that they'll have some sort of legacy, but we don't stop and think about we are somebody's legacy. We, right now, with somebody's dream, somebody's hope, somebody's future. I get goosebumps thinking about that. One as simple as I love those uh, ridiculous Coke commercials or, or these other commercials of where just spreading a smile can have an impact. There's, a, there's a, some great imagery that occurs where you can have an impact on somebody that has an impact later on them impacting somebody else. That ripple effect that occurs by your action, that you can just have that small little bit of goodness in their life. And that's what I enjoy, like what you can control, what you can do with the people that were around. Saying hello, mamming, surring, opening the door, being genuine, being there, being polite. And you don't know what other people are dealing with, but that might be the breath of fresh air that somebody needed. It's that paying it forward. Just like that, I want to wear out. I want to rust out. You can't pay it forward. You can't have a ripple effect if you don't do anything. You're not wearing out if you don't actually try. Simple things. I know that my wife really appreciates this about me. She's seen and commented on many, many times. I pick things up on the side of the road or on the, on the sidewalk or on my way and, and throw it in the trash. Oh, I know. He picks up trash. And before it was like, okay, that could be dirty. Let's sanitize your hands. And now I'm like, ew, <laughs> germs. <laughs> but I'm still doing that because I want to leave where I was better than when I found it. Because there's always moments that, like you don't know why trash got blown in the wind. It's not like somebody went and laid that cup down right there and said, ha, ha, ha. I think we view litter bugs that way. That's what we teach our children, litter bugs. But right, it could have blown out of a trash truck, whatever. Especially our own neighborhood. I mean, the trash truck comes and takes the bins. We're so lucky to live somewhere that that is a thing. I remember hauling trash to the dump. You know, you got to save your bags and then you have like dump day. But I mean, sometimes it just blows out and the guy's doing his job and he's working hard. And oh my gosh, this cup blew out. Who's not mine? So what? Put it in the bin. Yeah. So that is something I love about your character. And just realizing that if everybody's working at 70 or 80% of their capability, maybe you can make up for that with an extra five and then somebody else can come along and help out. But if we're all pulling together as a community, realize that we're blessed in America with everybody being able to have power. I mean, there are some people out there really struggling in life, but for the most part, we have access to a great deal of blessings. So remembering that and then paying that forward to bless somebody else, recognize it's like, hey, I actually have a couple minutes. I can be a blessing. And finding ways to do that. And that goes back to, well, a little bit of Stoic philosophy. Control what you can control. Don't worry about why the trash is there. If it needs picked up, it needs picked up. And if you can, do it. If you can't, you can't control that. There's, a, there's something that's stopping you from being able to do that. Okay, control what you can control. And if we focus on that, I think the world would be a little bit better. As far as control, right? It's yourself. You can't control somebody else. You can't control somebody's opinions. You can't control their actions. It's only yourself. And we all know that we've been upset at some point or another and you feel like, oh man, I can't even control my own feelings or emotions. Ugh. You got to feel it, right? And I think there's that difference of mm, reaction versus... Are you talking about proactivity? No. Um, oh, so there's that difference of reaction versus response. You're going to respond no matter what. There's going to be a response, but it's your choice the reaction that you're going to have. And I've had moments where I've been, you know, just livid about things. And I'm halfway through this reaction and I stop myself and it's like, no, I have a choice right now. And just getting better about that. 
you know, I have a choice how I'm going to react to this or how I'm going to respond to this situation. Um, so it's like catching that kind of lizard brain, they call it, you know, just kind of this response and forcing it to the frontal lobe where you can think about it. Like, wait, I'm going to, I'm going to think about this a minute and I can actually control myself, not anybody else, but myself. I'm part of that's training. When I was being a, trained as an instructor, realizing that it is very normal for people to have vocal pauses, ums, uh, I like um, oh, yes. uh, stuff. And you have these vocal pauses all the time. That is your brain reacting to a pause while you're thinking through things. You can train yourself to catch those, to either turn it into a pause, turn it into a meaningful word, or actually be practiced well enough in what you're saying that you don't need the pauses vocally. And the pauses are actually intentional to get your audience's attention. I know there's something so powerful about a stillness, a purposeful, quiet pause. I remember that in speech class, you know, way back when my speech teacher would actually, when we give a speech, she would take little tally marks, one, two, three, four, cross the five, how many times you did, um, uh, er, and then a tongue click when you just smack your lips, kind of little, she called it a tongue click. She didn't know what else to call it. Oh my word. And so you would be like, oh, I had 10 tongue clicks in my one minute speech, you know. And so by the end of that class, everyone was so much better at public speaking. We all could have given a TED talk, you know. I catch myself doing it because I think there's a thought, well, if I don't fill up that space. Somebody else is going to speak first. Somebody else is going to cut in or I'm going to lose my audience. Um, you know, whatever it is that I'm talking about isn't going to seem as important. But actually realizing, no, there's room for a pause. There's room to collect your thoughts, collect yourself. And then continue forward. And part of that is just self-awareness. When you're starting to actually hear yourself from somebody else's perspective, when you can see yourself from somebody else's view, more than a mirror, because a mirror is actually a reverse reflection of you. But if you can actually see yourself as you actually are, and then you can work on how you speak, work on what you can control, focus on that, make sure that your reactions are actually trained responses. And I'm going to have to figure out a different word besides actually, because I have used that in the last 30 seconds more than six times. <laughs> Those are the kind of things that when you're speaking, when you're acting, when you're doing something, that you look at, how do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? And start working on that. Get there. Focus on those things. And then actually, you'll be a better speaker. Does that tie in with stoicism? I think so. It might not. We're still learning. Semi-competent. I'm a semi-competent Stoic philosopher, studier. Good enough for me. Thanks for listening. We'll have more on Epictus and Marcus Aurelius another time.